Howdy. Welcome to Undersampled Radio, the show where we talk science, tech, oil, business, politics, and more. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Graham. Together, we're the hosts of this circus. To follow the conversation, make suggestions, or rant and rave, please visit the forum Software Underground at swung.rocks. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of Understand the Radio. Uh, what are you laughing at, Matt? No, I, I don't know. I just the, the professional's remark, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that we were professionals, and Matt was cracking up. He couldn't contain himself. Um, so here we are, now that we've ruined our intro. Um, again. Again. Um, well, I mean, we need continuity, right? They say that continuity sells. So yep. uh, having a bad intro. It's like a catchphrase. <laughs> catchphrase right. is really crap made up intro every week yes yes um hey uh we don't have a guest this week unfortunately no. i know i promised you guys a guest but um if you if you haven't heard the states the u.s states of texas and louisiana are flooding uh like crazy and in fact uh it, it's very bad there's there's tens of thousands of people that have had to be evacuated wow. deaths it's miserable um oh my god so our guest will join us next week and we wish her and her family well um if anyone wants to assist the victims of the floods um many of these people this is the record-setting high water event for many cities down here uh so many of these people don't have flood insurance um if you would like to assist, there's a link on the show notes to an article which has another link to options to donate to funds and um, talk to the Red Cross, etc. Um, is this rivers breaking their banks, or this is like coastal flooding, or a bit of everything? Like, what's the extent of the flooding? Uh, it's heavy-duty rain, um, record rain. In some cities, they got over 20 inches of rain um, in a day, and that's on top of rivers that are swollen and overflowing their banks. Um, wow. So it's uh, the perfect storm of lots of water. Yeah, right. Wow. So that's it's like, what, 460 millimeters in the new money. <laughs> right? In the decimal world where scientists live. I'm just... I'm just uh... Sorry, I, it's, yeah, I was just... I, I, I think I got that wrong, didn't I? What, what did you say? 200? No, 20 inches. So that's 500 millimeters. It's a lot. Yeah. Yes, it is. No matter what so system. Feel, feel free to use SI units at any time during the podcast. Okay. I will uh, <laughs> attempt to make that switch. Um, so do, let's... Like, do, do even do physicists in the States use imperial measures? Yes, that's correct. So but come on. So you're trying to tell me that people are doing like relativistic calculations and in feet per <laughs> building cyclotrons it, with imperial units. Really? Come I'm on. not trying to tell you anything. What is this? But is, is, An inquisition? Is that a claim? You... <laughs> I mean, I can't believe that. I really hope. Did I say that's that? Not true. Can we? <laughs> well, you implied it. I didn't say. Okay, so um, let's talk about some other things that are uh, measured differently in the United States and the UK. One of which being tea, 
The awesomeness of tea. The awesomeness of tea. <laughs> um, I notice you have a note in here about a distracting tea, coffee, and beer fight that uh, started going down on Twitter. What's that about? <laughs> uh, oh, well, you started it. Yeah! <laughs> I, I remember, I'm remembering now. So you t- tweeted a picture of a some fake tea brand, Big Bigelow or something like that, Say my daily tipple, uh, tea-wise, what's yours? And uh, I can't, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I'm not a massive tea snob or anything, uh, dis, despite my, uh, despite what it might sound like. Um, but we do have slightly better tea available, I would say, in Canada, thanks to the sort of <laughs> British imperial history. Um, so, you know, we just get the tea in the supermarket. It's not like it's delivered specially from anywhere, India, or I mean, it could be. Harrods. You could, you could import <laughs> it. But but we, um, I guess Evan and I, re- it sort of, it's it sparked a memory uh, that Evan and I had been chatting recently about tea, because his, Evan's wife, Tara, is really into tea. Uh, not black tea, actually, but, um, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, uh, crazy teas. Some of them are delicious. <laughs> and and I guess I'd wondered out loud what orange pico was because it's quite often called black tea orange pico here in Canada, and I'd never heard that expression before. And um, so I looked it up, and it turns out it's a a quality, it's a like a, a rating of tea leaf quality. Anyway, there's a whole Wikipedia article about tea leaf quality that is quite um, enlightening <laughs> if you're remotely interested in tea. Uh, but I, there are some quite amusing little. Um, abbreviations and things which I guess the tea leaf buying community has corrupted into things like um, far too good for ordinary people and other witticisms. Anyway. So if you want to um, berate Matt for not being a British tea snob, um, if you're British that's acceptable, (laughs) if you want to defend the US's beer uh, quality, which is how reputation. <sighs> yeah, so it moved on to beer, and, and I think someone said, "Well, it went to coffee first and someone said, "Okay." So, in fact, it was Mark Tingate who was on the show recently. Said, "Well, you guys in the UK only learned how to brew coffee about 15 years ago," and I thought that was probably a fair remark. And then, and then someone out out of the blue, outrageously tried to claim that the US beer was somehow superior to British beer, which is just a farcical comment. Absolutely. I will not agree with you at all. <laughs> and I would hope that uh, many uh, Twitter nerds will get on there and defend the U.S.'s beer mm. position. Uh, so... <clears throat> data, please. I'd like yeah. uh, data, some civilization. And, and he probably wants it in millimeters. <laughs> I mean, that goes without saying. <laughs> I wasn't even going to... I didn't think I even need to mention that. Mm-hmm. This, okay. is a scientific, this is a science podcast for scientific... <clears throat> the um, quality of the of America's beer notwithstanding. What's happening on the software underground? Oh, well, it's been, uh, I guess... Wait, hold, hold on one second. Oh, oh, by the oh, way, oh. if you guys hadn't noticed by now, this show is just going to be... Uh, weird, stupid, <laughs> me and Matt yelling at each other. So if you if you want content, go somewhere else. Okay, Software Underground, go, man, we'll come, go. Come back here. Uh, so Software Underground, the um, famous uh, Slack chat 
room uh, that this podcast leans against occasionally. <laughs> uh, Swung dot rocks, as you heard in the preamble to the show. Um, it's been quite active recently. I, I think I, I didn't actually count. I should have looked, but there's almost 180 people hanging out in there now. I think a couple of weeks ago when I blogged about it and mentioned both the podcast and the uh, the Slack, that there were, from memory, 145 or 150. So, you know, something like 30 or so people joined up recently, which is awesome to see. Several of them I knew already or recognize their names, so that's nice. Um, and, yeah, just like... And I, I suppose I've also really been... Uh, just noticed that when I got back from holiday uh, a couple of days ago, there was a ton of threads and stuff that I'd missed in there from the last week or so, uh, from like getting advice on NumPy arrays. Oh my god, I said NumPy. Um, <laughs> NumPy arrays. Always making fun of my friend Ben for saying NumPy. Uh, to uh, what someone's built a sandbox, which is one of these um, awesome interactive sandboxes that you might have seen. Uh, stuff about machine learning. And uh, Graham's crazy-sounding—I uh, don't know what you'd even call them—but hardware hacking projects or something. And uh, yeah, just lots of good fun. And, and I, th I think I've, I think Graham's dropped off the uh, hangout, so I'm kind of hoping he knows how to get his way back in. Until he does, I'm just going to wing it. And if I say anything awful or ridiculous. <laughs> or Graham never comes back. I'm hoping he can edit things back together again. So another thing, I guess, that popped up on Slack recently was uh, Graham and I were sort of brainstorming about things we could talk about on shows. Well, actually, I was going to say shows without guests, but um, podcasts we do with guests or just by ourselves like this one. And um, there were lots of ideas there, some of them probably ridiculous, but <laughs> anyway, it would be nice to hear from uh, any listeners who have um, opinions about stuff we could chat about, but I'll run through. So there's a list of about uh, 15 or so in the show notes, um, which you can find a link to uh, on the, the website, under sample.io, or on the Slack channel, swung.rocks. And I, I think I'm just going to stop now and get Graham back into this call and he can hack stuff back together later. So excuse me for a minute while I communicate with the guy who used to be hosting this discussion. Hey Graham. What's up? Let's see what he says. I mean I really hope the floods haven't got him because that would be, I mean, Win 7 crashed, rebooting. The guy's on Windows. I mean, you just, it boggles the mind, right? I mean, here's someone banging on about programming, open source software, doing awesome geophysics, and he's not even on. Anyway, I mean, I don't know what you guys think of that, but... <laughs> I guess he's learning his lesson right now as we speak. And it's not like Linux doesn't crash. I'm aware of that. Um, anyway, I'm sure we'll be back in a minute, and I think he will come straight back into the podcast. 
I suddenly felt like I was really droning on about those uh, those show games, as uh, as Graham's called them. Anyway, he was quite keen on doing a Jeopardy-style trivia game where I think we had to try and answer questions that came from the audience. But I think that sounds awful uh, <laughs> because it would be deeply humiliating uh, for me anyway. So moving on, I quite like the idea of drawing pictures. I, I tweeted a while ago, actually, it was before the... Um, Vienna Hackathon, we were thinking about game ideas. I, I really wanted someone to show up and do like a really low-tech um, game like Pictionary. I thought that would be actually would make quite a fun game because, you know, some geological concepts are quite relatively sort of easy to draw, like anticline or whatever. Uh, some might be quite tricky, like granite, and some might be, you know, really quite... Um, Difficult, like uh, I don't know, something crazy in geophysical, like reverse time migration. Oh, he's back! I can hear shuffling around, like a kind of a hedgehog. Hey, I'm back. Can you hear me? Oh, yes. Hello. Numpy. I heard the <laughs> Numpy thing earlier. No, it's NumPy. That's a, a Python package. If you've never heard of it, I'm sure you've heard of it. You're listening to Software Underground. The, uh, what is this show called? Unders you listen to Understand Radio. <laughs> uh, I mean, you've heard of NumPy. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, sandbox? What's the sandbox note in here? Is that the one where they were doing the projector thing on the sand with the geologic modeling? You got it. I got it. Okay, that's really cool. Uh, let me give you just in the little middle of this thing here. It's a, it's a, it's literally a sandbox, a physical sandbox. You have a projector, and I, is it a LiDAR system? No, it's a little, um, I forget the name, but it's the Xbox uh, 3D camera controller thing. Right on. So um, the, in real time, you can move the sand around, and it will uh, it, it changes the contours, like like depth contours on the sand. It's really cool. We're talking about machine learning, obviously. If you haven't heard every single show we've mentioned, machine learning. <laughs> we uh, there's some machine. There's a whole channel of machine learning on there, which is cool. You got to be into machine. You're into machine learning. You're listening to um, what's this show called? Undesirable Radio. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, my crazy projects. I've got a co oh yeah, there was a oh, we'll talk about it later. But it was a silly idea that turned into an awesome physics discussion. Uh, Thomas Martin, do you is a friend of yours? Do you know him? Uh, we've communicated in the past. I think he wrote a blog post for us actually at one point. So yeah, we've we've chatted a bit online. So he's he's another one on there poking people about um, random computing stuff, trying to start a fight. It's pretty hilarious. So go check it out. <laughs> Um, let's, so we, Matt and I had a discussion the other day, uh, about what we're going to do on the show because we don't, I can't even remember the name of this show. You know, we got to do some fun on here, man. Uh, and what's it going to be? What, what ideas did we come up with? Oh, you're asking, you're asking me. Sorry. Who else? I, who else? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you were talking to yourself a minute ago. Or your future self. <laughs> you, were, you were talking to yourself for 15 minutes when Windows 7 crashed. That is true. Uh, well, you know, strictly speaking, I was I was talking to our dear listener. <laughs> May she rest in peace. Uh, yeah, so there, there were quite a few. And I, I, as I was saying earlier to the YouTube viewer, um, <laughs> The, the the full list you maybe want to go just look at because I'm probably not going to touch on all of them. Um, I, I know you, you were quite pick your least favorite. 
My least favourite. Well, the the most intimidating, uh, potentially humiliating one was was your Jeopardy idea yes. of, of like answering, fielding questions from Slack or Hangouts or wherever. From or, or I actually have an open window onto the street right here next to me, so I could potentially just take questions right here. <laughs> and, the drive up um, window. Yes. Yeah. I could just hang a little sign out saying, you know, geophysicist is in. <laughs> uh, and then attempting to answer them live on air, which I just find the whole idea of that profoundly uh, uncomfortable. So this is coming from the man who knows so much science trivia and has written a couple of books about random right. sciencey things. You know, so and he's worried about competing with me. By the way, I know nothing. So which is going to make this Jeopardy idea awesome. Oh. Goodness. Anyway, and then the next one I do like, I really like, because we, we talked a little bit about um, putting together a low-tech hackathon project before the, the Vienna Hackathon in May. And the idea, the only idea <laughs> I had, or that I, I think it actually came from a chat with uh, Steve um, Purvis on, on Slack, was Pictionary. Well, probably not allowed to call it Pictionary, but some sort of geoscience Pictionary where essentially you try to draw... Uh, geosciencey things, from easy things like hand lens to tricky things like granite or probably impossible things like um, anisotropy. No, that would be quite easy actually. Uh, well, reverse time migration was the example I used earlier. But I mean, you, you probably dream about drawings of reverse time migration. Yeah, I was thinking um, we could draw something even trickier, like portraits of each other, <laughs> or of our favorite scientists. <laughs> You found another way to turn a perfectly good idea into a horrible one. <laughs> That's my job. I'm going to keep you all, your We're all just humiliated. <laughs> um, what else? Well, and, and then the hackathon idea for this year was papers and or figures to try and reproduce or scrape or, you know, liberate data from. And I thought trying to crowdsource what papers and figures to attack might be fun. Uh, five things the industry should do but doesn't, um, or doesn't do but should. <laughs> My brain mixed that around. I guess it's the same thing. Uh, chapter. Oh, book ideas. Quite like that because you know I have this tiny publishing company. Uh, I, I, we are, we publish books in slow motion, which is um, <laughs> so yeah. Stephen about before. King. Stephen King says that he starts with the title. And tries to figure out a book from the title. Okay, I like yeah, that. You could do that about geoscience. Yeah, well, exactly. That'd be cool. Yeah. So, so book titles. How about that? Yes. Um, unsolved problems in exploration geophysics. Yeah, it's a it's a, a constant theme uh, for for me and for us on Agile. Um, the ten most important equations in geophysics. I think that would be a really fun thing to crowdsource slash brainstorm. You know, from sort of Hooke's law to um, Zerpitz equations, stuff like that. Uh, weird signal processing. That would be a fun show to do. Um, most awesome weird Wikipedia pages to do with geoscience. I don't know if there's actually any other than the one that I'm just about to mention, which is list of unexplained sounds. <laughs> it's, a really, it's, a really, it's a really awesome page. Most of them were recorded in the deep ocean, and it's thought that they're one of three things, either volcanic activity uh, on the seafloor, uh, icebergs either carving or scraping somehow on the seafloor or carving off, and um, or whales. 
those are the sort of prevailing. And then I'm sure there's lots of other crackpot theories about whatever aliens and and giant squid. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's there's some highlights. That uh, reminds me of someone that we should have on the show. I hmm. know someone who is doing some acoustic research in the ocean, trying to distinguish individual whale sounds and dolphin sounds. Um, oh, wow. So not not species. I'm talking about right. members, individual members of a pod, which is nice. pretty cool when you think about it. And I, I asked her, how do you do it? And she said lots of very smart things and said, uh, how would you do it? And I said, machine learning. Ha ha ha. So um, I'd like to learn a little bit more from her. That'd be cool if we could uh, talk about whales and dolphins on the show. Yeah, it really would. There's, there is a, there is a, I, perhaps connected to that list of unexplained sounds page, um, or certainly in the same vein, there's another list. Oh. I'm misremembering. I shouldn't. I shouldn't uh, try to remember. But uh, there, there is a there's a famous individual whale with a call that is at a different frequency from most of or all of the other known members of that species. I think it's called the 52 hertz whale or something like that. Anyway, it's apparently alone as well. I guess often these normally social animals, but this whale doesn't have any friends, uh, so it's quite. Kind of, kind of, kind of a sad uh, Fourier transform story there. <laughs> yes. Um, well, probably the only sad Fourier transform story. Can we mention the um, Can we mention the uh, giant speaker um, project now, or what? The, please. Is it okay with you if I bring up the giant giant speaker on this show? I can't wait to hear about it. We are. I didn't. Like... I just. I was embarrassed to mention it first. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to have come up with it. So here we go. So uh, I had a friend ask me if we could uh, build a loud speaker. They need some help. And this is this is a Mardi Gras thing. So I'm in New Orleans um, and we're looking for a loud sound system for something. So I said, you know that thing on Back to the Future? She said, what do you mean? I said, that big old speaker that blows people away from the speaker. that crank it up to 11, baby. Uh, so I want to... Cut at, now, this actually isn't going to happen, but it could happen, and it did have quite an awesome physics discussion on Software Underground. So cut out a gigantic wooden box. In this case, we'd use a Mardi Gras float. And build a six-foot-in-diameter speaker that points out the back of this thing and try to crank it up and see what it would do. Um, <laughs> so we kind of logicked out that the, the peak frequency of this thing would be like 30 hertz or something like that. Um, and it would take, it turns out that it, it would take like kilowatts uh, in the range of, of uh, tens of kilowatts to power this thing. Cause you, the rod, you, I mean the uh, speaker driver you'd need to oscillate would just, it would be like 10 ki I almost said kilograms. <clears throat> Hold on. Let me, what's that in pounds? Uh, <laughs> I prefer if you use Newtons. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's the awesome big speaker project. Uh, and so the, the, did you just say that it isn't going to happen or you are still going ahead building this thing? Well, I, it was more of a, of a challenge. Uh, a design challenge. I mean, so uh, John Lehman, who our listeners know from Don't Panic Geocast, is an excellent hardware integrated solutions engineer. Uh, he does embedded systems and things. Um, 
but he has all of the world's knowledge in his head already about um, gigantic speakers. It turns out. Um, so, so I wanted to I wanted to challenge him to a design considerations talk, and it was awesome. Uh, so go check it out. And I'm not exactly sure uh, how I got here. <clears throat> oh, dolphins. We're going to start drawing pictures of dolphins in the sh- on the show, uh, along with portraits of each other. Um, now, you've, you've written something about a crowdfunding experiment. Is that different? Is that something else? What's that? Ah, yes. So, I've never funded a company by doing crowdsourced, uh, crowdsourced raise, and I want to try it. But I don't really have a project applicable to that scenario just now. So I decided to start a crowdfunding project based on some crazy idea, which is the crazy fast cart thing. Right. This is the other project you mentioned. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> it sounded equally dangerous. Oh, it's much, much more dangerous. Oh, okay. But but only for me, not so much okay. for innocent bystanders. Collateral damage is limited for this project. Okay. Um, I want to build a like i don't know i don't know like a golf cart buggy thing with an engine that's like basically the entire size of the vehicle and then go 80 miles an hour uh so i did a wait wait what what okay so you're not trying to break the land speed record no but why would you start with a golf cart not a famously fast vehicle oh i would start with a golf cart because i would buy one at a junkyard, strip everything off of it, except for the frame and uh, suspension and the steering and, you know, all that good stuff that's hard to make in your shop. I see. And then find a big engine somewhere, bolt it in, whatever. So what are we we talking here? We're talking uh, like a combustion engine, jet, (laughs) rocket. Jet. Yeah, well... Dude, have you have you been on YouTube? Because this is definitely a thing. <laughs> Let's just say I. So this is. <laughs> I want to make it to a second crowdfunding experiment, and if I put a jet on a cart, I'm definitely not going to make it there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was thinking just a four cylinder car engine. I mean, out of curiosity, what does Google come up with if you just type "build rocket powered"? Like, what is autocomplete? I'm Build just curious. And the answer is? It's going to have some suggestions, I'm, I'm pretty sure. He's using a Chromebook, folks. And yeah, so there's maybe, maybe some time. So Windows 7 and the Chrome OS. No good, man. Build rocket-powered matchbox car. Okay. Build air-powered rocket, water-powered rocket, bubble-powered rocket. Oh. Bubble-powered rocket? That's what, the what, magic what are those things? Ever. Yeah, I I wonder if Google Autocomplete is actually a cool way of coming up with crazy projects. Yeah, like like the 10, how many? 10 uh, book ideas. Ah, okay, yeah. You just start with like something vaguely related to geophysics. Yeah, you use your, ra- Matt's got a random word generator for creating geophysics titles. You could just use the first two <laughs> titles in any geophysics title. Right. And uh, go from there. Okay, so rocket-powered battle cars... Rocket-powered bullets? I mean, what, that's good. <laughs> I don't... 
Uh, rocket-powered car, rocket-powered bike. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit surprised there isn't a rocket-powered skateboard coming up there. Rocket-powered is easy-peasy. I mean, all you do is just take something that combusts and slap it yeah. on the front, right? Jet-powered no, right. jet yes, jet takes a little energy. Okay, so here we go. Jet-powered kayak, jet-powered surfboard, jet-powered wakeboard, and jet-powered hoverboard. Yeah. And, and then jet-powered car, which is more conventional. I, I think you need to. I think you need to notch that that project up a little bit, Graham. I think just, just you are underestimating up. the danger involved with the crazy fast card thing. Um, <laughs> so uh, I I had an enjoyable experience or not so enjoyable experience, whatever. Figuring out the nuances of crowdfunding and reading about the rules, doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure. Cool. Yeah. So it's up there. Uh, there's a link to it in oh, the show notes. If you want to which, uh, which, uh, oh, it's just a link there. So which platform did you use? I ended up going with Indiegogo, um, oh. which seemed the least, <laughs> one of the other crowdfunding sites, which will not be named, <clears throat> but you could probably guess it's in the top five or in front top three, um, denied my application because they said it was too dangerous for the investors. The, the person who donates the most money to this project, I'm just going to give them the card at the end of the thing. Um, because I don't, I mean, I just want to drive the thing around at full throttle. I mean, if I get 15 <laughs> minutes of wide open throttle time, I'm all set. So uh, they... You don't they, need, I have no need for a heap of metal covered in blood. <laughs> <laughs> so they said... This other crowdfunding site said, no way, uh, we're, we can't, our, law- right. our lawyers will just have a field. Um, so Indiegogo is... Uh... <laughs> they were okay with it. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. Uh-huh. So um, go check it out. Um, if you'd like to risk your life, uh, give me some money. That'll be great. Yeah, so that's going to be, you're going to be um, doing a show in the future from that vehicle, from I assume. From the card. Brief, so. A very brief episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully Windows 7 can keep up at 80 miles an hour. Um, mm. Anyway, so it's yeah, it's uh, it was it was a fun project, and I learned something about crowdfunding. And now, um, sort of only 50 percent hoping it gets funded because if it does, then I'll have to build the thing. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> What's um? You got a, you have a lot of notes in here about uh, Rowan Cockett, who yeah, Ro- our listeners right remember was on the show a couple of weeks ago. That's right. Yeah, go go have a look at uh, that show. It was a good one. Um, I can't remember if we mentioned it at the time, but he was at the time in the process of writing, and it's since come out a one of these tutorials in the Leading Edge, uh, SCG's uh, magazine, and um, it's. It's pretty awesome. Uh, well, it's really awesome, actually. It's really so awesome. it's about finite volume, uh, the finite volume method, uh, specifically with reference to DC resistivity um, models. And it's uh, it's quite thorough. It's a bit longer than most of our tutorials have been. Um, it is supported by the Simpeg software and comes with an I, uh, I guess I should stop calling it IPython notebook, but a Jupyter notebook. Uh, as as most of the tutorials do, that steps you through um, essentially reproducing the problem in code, so you can actually see how everything works. 
Um, Tell them about the figures, man. Tell them about the figures. Figures, yeah, there's a couple of just really beautiful figures in there that essentially deconstruct um, equations and uh, or sets of equations, uh, derivations really, and step you through them with beautiful color annotations. And they're really, they're really something. So Rowan is a big, um, well, we talked about it on the show actually. That he's got a really great visual sense. That he's really, and it's really driven by helping people understand difficult concepts. So if you want to see how he goes about doing that, I really recommend that you check out this. Um, this the, the, so it's the August issue of the Leading Edge, and all of those tutorials are open access. So you don't need to be an SEG member to read that content. Uh, and the content should also be in the wiki. Oh, I haven't checked that that one's there yet. Um, anyway, do, you know, Rowan uh, is a lovely guy. Loves hearing from people. So if you enjoy that stuff, do reach out to him if you want to know more about it. Because I'm sure he'll um, he's always willing to help people out. Uh, and I guess related to that, they've just his company, uh, Three Point Science, has just released this very interesting looking Steno 3D project. Steno3d.com. Uh, it's basically 3D Earth visualization um, in the browser, and looks extremely awesome. But I haven't looked at it beyond essentially what I've just told you, a couple of screenshots in Software Underground. But I yeah, did I mean, it. yeah, you did, and it's awesome. Um, okay. You can browse through their open models, um, and it's really, really neat. I mean, it's built for visualizing any 3D data, um, and you can. Uh, it's just amazing. I mean, it comes in as you use it in Jupiter, and you can just rotate and manipulate the 3D data and see how things are interconnected. It's it is again a visual tool to help you manipulate and understand complex concepts. Um, and it's it's quick and it's easy. They have an example on their site uh, when you when you uh, get the package. It comes with an example, and you can just manipulate the example to build your own thing into the platform, uh, your own data into the platform. And it's cool, man. Um, so go check it out. It's lovely. Great. Because, I mean, you know, th uh, 3D visualization has definitely been a bit of an unsolved problem, I would say, in kind of everyday computing for, you know, regular hackers, so to speak. It's been a, a tricky thing to pull off. Um, Maya VI uh, and thoughts sort of solution for Python in that space was always, I found, just a tricky thing to wield. So, um, uh, yeah, it'd be great to see Steno3D take off. Really important step, I think, for our community. So, yeah, check it out. Yes. Uh, what is a tensor, anyway? <laughs> yeah, so, is there, so this is like uh, John's uh, blog, John Cook. Um, is that what you're referring to? Yes. <laughs> was, that, was that the segue? <laughs> Damn, I missed the segue. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> okay. So, hold on, hold on. Let's pause for a second. Let's take a, a moment of silence for segues. The death of segues. Okay, good. So, <laughs> tensor. So, you know, as I'm, I'm a geologist, right? I was trained as a geologist. Come, come to geophysics gradually. I'm still haven't caught up, but um, and you know, I remember concepts like inversion being a total mystery to me. You like geophysicists kick these words around all the time and I don't really know what inversion was. Not 
I didn't even really have a good idea of what it meant conceptually, never mind in a kind of rigorous sense, um, like a mathematical sense, I mean. And I feel like uh, t tensors and the language around tensors, is, you know, it's another sort of linear algebraic area, I guess. And um, there's another word that's sort of shrouded in mystery. A lot of people, I think, especially geologists, are sort of only just comfortable with words like scalar and vector. And um, as soon as you start hearing about tensors and sort of n-dimensional um, fields and scalar fields and this sort of thing, you, it gets you can lose your grip really quickly on the jargon and uh, and the concepts. So um, now I'm not going to say that John Cook's blog, it's at johndcook.com. You know, I'm not going to say that it's that accessible. You know, it isn't. It's not like you can just walk up to any post and come away with a full understanding of something. Um, because the guy is a mathematician, computer scientist, and fairly, I would say, hardcore. But he th he blogs continuously. Like I, I think almost every day. I feel like he blogs a lot, and um, not always long posts. They're quite easy to read. Uh, but it recently, he's covered. Hey. But, sorry. Go ahead. So re recently he's been covering, uh, he's asked the question, what is a tensor? And I think he's taken something like, he's on post number four now on that subject. Um, but he's also covered other things recently, like some things in signal processing, like ways, <laughs> measures for how annoying a, a sound is, for example. Uh, I wonder where that came up. Podcast jokes aside. Big, big and... old speaker project. <laughs> right. Go ahead. <laughs> And uh, other sort of signal processing, and then he often touches on uh, computer science-y things like memory management and that kind of thing. So anyway, a really cool blog to follow uh, if you don't already follow it, johndcook.com. Okay, hey, John D. Cook, if you're listening, check this out. We're going <laughs> to test your skills here. Matt. If you're, if Matt. you're listening. Of course he's listening. Hey, Matt. Yeah. What is the tensor? Yeah, well, you know, I'm not sure I could. I'm not did, sure you read, I could did you read Did you read the post? I, I, I read today's post, but I haven't gone back and read the series yet. You just read part number four? Yeah, I mean, I, I've internalized the tensor like essentially an n-dimensional matrix. But the, there's an unclear... I, I think that's more of a linear algebra type definition, and physicists use a definition that's connected with transformations, and I, I get a bit lost on that side of things. So the answer is... There's a geologist's answer. The answer is read parts one through three. Yeah. And then you'll understand. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody listening, read parts then you'll one have, through three. You'll have perfect clarity. Anyway, it did make me wonder if people kind of know how to follow blogs. How do, I, how do you... How do, do you have blogs you read? How do you go back to them? How do you discover stuff? I never... I don't... <clears throat> except for Agile's blog... I never keep up with blogs, but I do have just random blogs, including John's and including yours, that I visit when I have five minutes. Um, so I'm, I'm not I'm not an avid blog reader, nor am I an avid podcast listener. Um, when I've got time, uh, I just listen to or read the most recent post. Um, many people will listen to all podcast episodes in order, read all blog posts in order. But um, I'm <laughs> my uh, learning process is more organic than that. <laughs> I just kind of float around to and fro. Yeah. Um, 
and that and that's cool. I mean, it, it's it's nice to do it that way because you get to see a lot of things that you don't know and start reading more about them. Yeah, yeah totally. How about you? How do you keep up with blogs? Uh, well, I use the the old reader, theoldreader.com, which is was it's got, it's got that name because it was conceived as a replacement for Google Reader, which was a very popular um, blog or RSS reader, um, but which Google killed. Uh, I can't remember, but maybe three years ago now, and. Um, I, I, I don't recall the names of others, but there are lots of other uh, news readers, RSS readers, blog readers, whatever you want to call them. Um, I, I, I sort of find it's just a good way for me to kind of, it's one place where I can keep a list of blogs that I'm interested in, and basically it just gathers all the posts automatically. So I, like you, I, I only go there when I've got 15 minutes and I want to read technical stuff, because they're mostly technical blogs I follow. Um, and I quite like it because they all just appear in one feed. And as I go down, it says, OK, this has been read, this has been read. And if I want to come back to it later or whatever, I just star it. And it seems to work really well. And uh, So you can also, if you want to, you can kind of organize all your stuff. Um, you know, you can organize all your, uh, you can have categories and you can use tags and blah, blah, blah. But I don't do a lot of that. I actually, um, I'll tell you what, I'll put in the notes. I'll put my list from the old reader because it enables you to, I, I, I can't remember, but I think what I do is export like a little YAML file or something that basically you, you can see all the things that I follow just uh, in case you're interested in finding a whole bunch of geoscience and kind of computer science blogs. Of course they are. Uh, this yeah, is, um, what is, what's this show called? <laughs> Undersampled uh, Underground. <laughs>